Are you having a nice apocalypse anyway? Uh, I don't know. It's just been, it's just been a bit weird, hasn't it? I, I spent the first bit of it just trying to work out what the fucking hell is going on. Oh, no. It's... I, I can completely understand how people disappear down YouTube rabbit holes because everything's been so fucking, so fucking weird, hasn't it? It's weird times. Uh, the Midlife Punk Podcast, episode five, which frankly I'm as surprised as anyone that we're here. Um, <clears throat> I'm just sat here um, getting ready to interview me old mate Cunt from Cunt and the Gang, who's going to be talking to us about his new album um, called Cunt's Punk in Your Face, uh, where he's taken some of his minor internet hits, uh, put a band together and recorded them in a punk style. So... Uh, I think it's going to appeal uh, to a lot of you lot. Um, there are going to be a lot of swears in it, and there's going to be some uh, sort of off-colour uh, subject matter. So if you're easily offended, um, A, punk's probably not for you, and B, this podcast, or at least this episode, probably ain't for you. Um, we've got uh, music from uh, The Sect, uh, who... I don't know if they're still going. They came back for a bit, but um, it's the song Summer Girl from the 12-inch single release of that, uh, which came out in uh, 1986, I believe. Uh, probably one of the best pop-punk songs ever written. Um, and then Cunt has chosen a song for the end, uh, which I shall reveal all on later. Um, just wanted to say, as I usually do in this situation, thanks ever so much for listening. Uh, it's it's blown my fucking mind, to be honest, uh, that, that what's basically an, an ego massaging session for me um, has had so many people coming back. So if you would like to share your experience with the podcast, please stick it on any Facebook groups, any WhatsApp chats you've got going on, anything to do with punk, anyone you think might like it. Um, and let's, you know, let's keep it going because I'm enjoying it. It seems you are. Um, so let's let's share the love of punk and me talking shite. So we'll go uh, into Summer Girl by The Sect. Uh, then straight after that, we'll go into the first of Cunt's punked up hits, uh, A Lonely Wank in a Travel Lodge. Okay? And I'll see you on the other side of what I'm sure will be a great, great chit-chat with old Cunty. Cheers. Summer 
It's a glamorous life, touring with your songs But after the gig everyone goes home And the nights can seem so long The pretty girls have all got boyfriends And they all go home to have it off And I'm left alone in a chain hotel Trying to imagine them having it off But it's then there's no way I can dodge A lonely wank in a travel lodge a lonely wank in a travel lodge. A lonely wank in a travel lodge. A lonely wank in a travel lodge. So they just use their 4G When I'm finished I'll fill up the tiny little kettle And I'll make a cup of tea The batteries are held in with electrical tape On the remote for the TV Sometimes I do it in front of the mirror Just to feel like there's someone else there But all I see is my crying self Wanking back at me in despair The pretty girls have all gone home With all the handsome boys I just spent two quid in a vending machine on a bag of steak McCoys. Now some juice from my nuts I'll dislodge via the medium of a lonely wank in a travel lodge. 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 intro blurb so cunt and the gang formed 2003 10 studio albums four compilation albums a musical two hit singles stints at the edinburgh fringe festival written a book and a children's book and now you're here talking to me where did it all go wrong well this is this is you know clearly this is the pinnacle of it all isn't it this is it's all been building up to this did, did you get all that off wikipedia yeah i did and the thing about that that uh, raised my eyebrows the most is it says above all that not to be mistaken for cool in the gang. <laughs> so how many people have got about halfway down that and gone? Oh, Shannon Matthews a musical, cool in the gang. Don't remember that one, and then realised they're on the wrong page. I, I had a group of uh, of sixty something slags turn up at one of my gigs and just keep calling out for Joanna. <laughs> <laughs> it can be confusing for people <sighs> well i'm glad wikipedia did a public service there then it does, so, it does though doesn't it i'm gonna try and keep because uh, I, I think i hope we're gonna get a lot of hardened cunters like me uh listening to this so we want to talk about the punk album that you have been discussing for a long time and now it's it's here uh, yeah why a punk album? Well, uh, I mean, as, as you know, because you was in one of the bands that I used to play with when I toured around, mm-hmm. sometimes, pe- sometimes people would uh, know my songs. And so I come to kind of have a, have a few stop-offs around the country where there, there was a band called Litterbug in Blackpool who'd play. Or I'd always kind of play a couple of songs with them and uh, done Use My So I don't know if we did another one. 
Um, no, I think we just did that one. And then yeah, there was a band in, a band in Basildon called Hormone, who I did a couple of couple of songs with. And, like, yeah, it just kind of happened around the country. You know, sometimes people go, oh, we know one of your songs. And so I'd end up kind of getting up and playing it with them. And it always sounded fucking great, you know, like, well, to me anyway. But, you know, it sounded like a proper, you know, like a proper, made the songs that I'd just kind of written on me keyboards on my own sound like proper songs, proper band songs. And so um, I'd always sort of had it in mind. Because, I, you know, I, I sort of used to be in bands, but then just, I don't know, just like the aggro of fucking, it's, it was like trying to herd sheep across a field, do you know what I mean? And they're, yeah, they're like yeah. one, of the, one of the sheep's on drugs, the other one's got a really uh, demanding girlfriend, you know, and, and by, the, by, by the end of it, like the idea of fucking getting all them sheep into a pen at any one time is just, a, you know, it just sucks all the fucking joy out of it. So, so in the end, that's why I kind of ended up just doing it on my own, but... I'd forgotten all that because, you know, I haven't been in bands for like over 20 years. So um, I sort of had it in the back of my mind. Yeah, it'd be good to record a punk album, you know, and I, I was kind of thinking while I was, you know, while I was still touring and that about doing it with various bands, you know, and saying, well, yeah, yeah. You, record, you record the backing tracks. I've done, um, I've done fuck sticks with this uh, Scar, Scar punk band called Tyrannosaurus Allen. And it, sa- it just sounded fucking immense. Like I played it live with them and then they just kind of recorded the backing track and, and sent it to me, and and I put that out, um, you know, as, as part of my fucksticks chart campaign. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I remember it, and so, I remember so, that. Yeah, oh. It it had been permeating in my mind for a long while, and then then I packed in touring in 2016. So I just thought, oh, it's one of them things that I'm just never going to get around to doing. And then when I kind of wrote wrote my book in 2018, got to the stage where I had about 800 backers for it, and people were saying you should do a stretch goal which like, you know, set another target and try and get some more people on board. So I thought, all oh, right, fuck it. I'll do the punk album as a kind of pie in the sky thing. If I get to a thousand backers, um, you know, cause it'd be something I want to do. And hopefully it's something people want to hear. And then it got to, it went over a thousand backers. So I was beholden to do it. And you then got yeah. in the cold light of day, I had to put a band together and sort it out, which was a big fucking pain up the arse pipe. <laughs> but it's so, here now. And uh, when's it, coming out um well i've been trying to i've been trying to get it out as soon as i could because I, I did the book 18 months ago so i've been trying to fucking get it out for that whole time but you know you kind of went through went through a couple of lineups and the same old thing about people sort of say they'll say they'll do it and then kind of aren't really able to commit you know and everyone's got fucking families and work commitments and and with the way the world has gone you know everyone's working different hours now and you know and and getting called into work at short notice and uh and so it was just hard to kind of get get the you know get a regular fucking group together because i I wanted to do the opposite of what i did with my music you know sit there at a keyboard make it in my bedroom on my own and then go and play it on my own i wanted to go and into the rehearsal studio and rehearse it like we were going to do a gig and then record it completely live you know um yeah as, as if it was kind of as if it was a gig and so that's what that's what we ended up doing. So sorry, long answer, a short question. Hopefully a couple of weeks. But then you know I've been saying that for fucking eighteen months. But at least it's finished now. You've heard it. It's finished. Yeah, it, yeah. It sounds like the finished article. Um, and I will have dropped in lonely wank in a travel lodge um, before the interview part when it goes live. So. Uh, again, that, that's one of the more modern cunt and the gang songs in in the lexicon, isn't it? 
It's uh, what was that off the penultimate album? That was off. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the penultimate. Chaps iTunes. Yeah, Chaps iTunes. That was 2014. Yeah, so yeah, it was like the penultimate proper album. But in between that and the last one, I did the second greatest hits, Cunt Will Fix It. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, I, sort of, and... I, I sort of see that as a prop round because, you know, there was like uh, half a dozen songs that had never been released before on it. So I did, you know, and, and Paperboy was on that and nobody spunks up a cunt anymore. We're on Cunt Will Fix It. And they've kind of become some of the ones that people always, you know, re- uh you know, think of, I suppose, when they think of Cunt and the Gang, especially the Paperboy one, seems to be one that kind of... Yeah, it was off. late in the day, weren't it? But it um, it captured the uh, hearts and minds of people that hadn't already been captured, which says a lot about them, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think <laughs> it does. Yeah, but it's, it's very, it's, you know, the abduction and rape of a Paperboy is very zeitgeisty topic. It is. I, I'd, I'd put it in the divisive category, for sure. <laughs> so... Um, but who wants to please all the people all the time exactly you can't do it you're wasting your time if you're trying so um i think you and i over the years have discussed our love for the mac lads a lot yeah um because you've always been sort of stapled to the punk scene as as we've discussed sort of by virtue of the kind of songs you do and the kind of gigs you were playing in those early days did you see the mac lads on this latest incarnation I didn't know. Did you? Uh, twice. Oh, did you? Whereabouts? Uh, first time was at Rebellion at Blackpool, um, and they had their mate Bammy singing um, because for some reason Muttley wasn't. I don't know why. Uh, but it was still one of the best gigs of my fucking life. We've been on the piss like all day, and the Matt yeah. lads finished the day, and I'd never seen them. It, yeah. You know, me and my mate Joe Atom, if he's listening, hello Joe, just hugging each other in the middle of a mosh pit singing Buenos Aires. <laughs> it was just incredible. But, and if Bam is listening, he's not going to be. He kept fucking the words up and it weren't quite right. Muttley sang a couple. Um, yeah. But then I saw him at Nottingham Rock City. Uh, I went on the bus and saw him. And that, that was all right. That was pretty good, actually. Better than I thought it would be. Um, yeah. but I don't know if if that's it for them now. You saw them back in the day, though, didn't you? So, see, this this is the thing is I've I've always kind of had, I've always sort of had this thing of if you've seen something and you really liked it, just leave it leave it there. You know, like when they when they call it a day, I, I don't know. I'm always loath to go back and go back and revisit it because. I've got I've got a lot of good memories of, of going to see going to, I, mean, I didn't see him, I didn't see him a lot I saw him maybe like, oh I saw him twice in twice in London and once in South End but I've got a lot of good memories of seeing the Mac lads and obviously they they're a big soundtrack to my teenage years you know with me and me silly bollocks mates um, and kind of going back you know sort of in in my early thirties like I am now and revisiting it just felt a bit. Um, I don't know, just a bit weird, so I, so I didn't. But I kind of, when, when I saw people posting on social media how good the gigs were, I thought, oh, I don't know, should I have gone? But, yeah, you're saying, yeah, I should have gone. For nostalgia, uh, I didn't go down the front at Nottingham um, because there was everything was covered in fucking plastic, every surface. Mm. And people throwing pints will be ejected and all this. So I just sort of stood there. And, and watched it, but it was still really good. No, nothing will beat that Blackpool 
that Blackpool yeah. moment. That was great. I just spent most of the gig looking behind me at people's faces who were waiting to see Peter and the Test Tube Babies or something. You know, <laughs> <laughs> just jaws dropping everywhere. Um, well, I mean, that's pretty impressive if if the Mac lads in this in this day and age with everything that's fucking changed about the exactly. world since around last time can still make jaws drop. He's you know he's pretty well, that, fantastic. That was, that was the best thing about it, how they sort of crowbarred in in a sort of semi PC way the subject of the song. Yeah, uh, and some of them you didn't see it coming till the last second, and it was fucking incredible. Uh, I'll, the video's on YouTube. I'll send you the link of it later, of the Blackpool. It's really good. Um, so uh, we should probably move on to the next song because there's probably lots of people waiting for the exclusive that is Cunts Punk In Your Face. Uh, and I've chosen, because you gave me carte blanche to choose which ones I want, so it's a bit of a nostalgia trip for me. I've chosen Barry Didn't Do It because the first time I ever saw Cunt and the Gang uh, was in Leicester. Um, and what was this originally? The B side of the Men with Beards single, is that right? It we, this was on the Men with Beards EP. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I just, well, which is the desired effect. I was uh, piss, pissing myself laughing because I don't think I'd heard it on MySpace yet, which is where I heard all your songs. So, yeah. Um, just for those people who are either too young or detached from the news, um, it's. It's about the major miscarriage of justice of our time, really, isn't it? It's, it's right up there, isn't it, with all the major, all the other major miscarriages of justice of our time. Barry, Barry George uh, wrongfully convicted for the murder of TV crime watch presenter Jill Dando. And, and, and also, it was kind of all the stuff around that. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and he's, he's kind of, his flights of fancy... That, that often turn out to actually be real. You know, it, I mean, admittedly, he wasn't the cousin of Freddie Mercury like he thought he was and had cards printed up to say he was, but <laughs> he, was, he was a stuntman and he did jump over buses. So, yeah. you know... Well, it was before Ancestry.com. You can't blame him. He, he would have known. Um, he, just got, he just got confused, didn't he? He did, bless him. And now he's lost years of his life at the hands of the British justice system, but was... Uh, Freed to rapturous yeah. applause from himself. So, so this, this is why I included it in the, the set of songs for the punk album. You know, it's fundamentally a protest song about a miscarriage of justice. Some ladies he titted up. He 
next. His cousin Freddie Mercury would be pleased if he was alive, or really his cousin. But Barry didn't do it, Barry didn't do it, Barry didn't kill Jill Dando. He was just hiding out in the bushes, dressed up like a commando. the singer and Queen were his mates. He jumped over six buses on roller skates. He's been banged up for years but now he's free to pursue his interest in replica firearms and celebrities. But Barry didn't do it, Barry didn't do it, Barry didn't kill Jill Dando. He was just hiding out in the bushes, dressed up like a commando. No, Barry didn't do it, Barry didn't do it, Barry didn't kill Jill Dando. He was just hiding out in the bushes with his knob in his hand So that was, uh, I forgot what it fucking was now. Barry didn't do it. Um, the punked up version from Cunt's Punk in Your Face. So uh, you retired from touring on a high in 2016. Yeah. What what yeah. was the rationale? Well, that? I don't know if I've kind of given it a different rationale since I actually did it, but at the time I sort of felt especially especially having done the Paperboy song, which I've been I've been kind of sat on for a few I've been sat on for a few years and uh it always felt a bit too like the last thing you'd do. To, yeah, yeah. To, put, to put it on one of the albums and so after I'd done that and it kind of you know and it, it sort of I think it kind of raised the, raised the bar for reactions at the gigs you know probably like out of all the years I was doing it when I first played the Paperboy song the reactions I got for it you know people just literally doubled you know doubled over with laughter and like you know holding their stomachs and holding their faces and you know you think fucking hell I just don't think I'm going to top this. And so when you've got that in your mind, you think, well, if I'm not going to top it, then everything else I'm going to do is going to be like, you know, just I don't want to be one of these people like Katie Hopkins that just has to be increasingly offensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, and you just have to offend more and more people because you've you've already peaked. And so that was kind of the thinking behind it. And it was also... Um, I played a lot of gigs, you know, for a few years, I was playing like 100 to 150 gigs a year. And um, I think I just burned, I think I just burned out of doing gigs. And I wanted to, I wanted to slim the tours down as well. And you just kind of, you know, I, I was still doing like tours of 50 odd dates yeah, um, yeah. In, in the last couple of years. And every time I, you know, I wanted to kind of slim it down to 25 or 30, but to lose like, 20 dates off a tour you have to tell 20 promoters you've worked with that you can't come back next year and like when i tried to kind of lose one or two of the either worst paid worst conditions where they made you go on go on late you know so that people kind of could spend more money over the bar you know or, or ones where i've been physically assaulted um every time you try to lose them everyone's like oh come on cunt 
you've got to come back to Swindon. Everyone's going to miss you, you know. And, and you're like, oh, just, you know, and, and like most people at the gigs are really nice. And so you feel bad and you end up, keep, you know, I kept all the gigs till the end. But in the end, it just fucking burnt, burnt me out, I think. And, and like organising, because I was sort of touring for roughly, you know, doing like 50 gigs over maybe two and a half months, which... He said, like, if you work a proper job every fucking day of the week, it sounds like a first world problem. I sound like Mariah Carey or something asking for yeah. a rider of blue jelly beans and midgets. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it just get, it just, it just fucking having to be, be switched on for that long just kind of burnt me out. And also, where I never had a proper manager, you kind of, you're doing all the shit admin as well, like, you know, yeah, organising yeah. the gigs. And the way the, you know, pub game being on its arse, every tour you'd sort out, you'd sort out 50-odd gigs, and at least two of the venues would go to the wall. So, like, you know, and, and sometimes the promoters never told you. And so, like, with a week to go to the tour, you'd be trying to sort out this gig that's in between two northern gigs, you know, and sort out another venue for it. And every time you change a venue at late notice, it's just fucking forget it. Do you know what I mean? It never, it never ever works. So there was like, it was all these things. And, and in the end, I just thought, you know what? I'm not going to be able to slim the tours down and I can't go and do another fucking 50 gig tour. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to pack in touring. And so I put a little thing up on, on me, um, on me, uh, social media saying, um, this is probably going to be the last tour. And everyone went, oh, I can't believe you're retiring. And I thought, well, I wasn't actually going to retire. I was going to just like use the time to make more videos and stuff. And, you know, you think, well, you know, maybe, maybe I should call it a day while it's still popular. And, and so, and so I did. And then, um, a couple of years later, having, you know, spent a couple of years in the real world doing painting and decorating and watching this dwindling pot of cash that I thought was going to last forever, like fully <laughs> fucking dwindle till I was on the bones of my ass. And I think, well, the time feels kind of right for a comeback. Yeah, so so that's that. But but in that time, uh, I, you know, I wrote my book, I wrote a sitcom, and uh, and did all did all the things that I kind of never did because I, I didn't have time um, through you know you tour for three months, um, yeah. organise the tour, promote the tour, record the material, and then it's time to fucking tour again. You had a bit sense. of involuntary time in the spotlight during your um inverted commas retirement because someone found shannon matthews the musical didn't they and were offended yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah weirdly it just kind of someone sent me a link it just kind of popped up that was it the daily daily mail is normally the one that gets most offended by things oh yeah but, but yeah i think um yeah it just it just kind of popped up the daily mail found shannon matthews the musical but i've got like I think I've got like three extra orders in that kind of fortnight window around that that piece of press, you know. So it was really, really fun. Like if they, if only they could have been offended about it in 2010 when it was fucking relevant, you know, I'd have sold a load of copies of it. But yeah, yeah the, the ship had sailed. No one cared. Shannon had pubes by that point, so no one <laughs> gave a shit. Well, you know, uh, I I, uh, I enjoyed that CD when it came out. Because when you were explaining it to me, I saw you at a gig and I was like, this is not going to be, this is going to be weird as fuck. And it was weird as fuck, but it was also funny as fuck as well. And I've always envisaged myself, uh, if it ever makes it to the stage, I'll um, pop my leg warmers on and go and interview, audition for the uh, police inspector role, I think. 
I've always envisaged myself in in that role um, when I'm driving around for work, listening well, to that, it. You you won't have to wear leg warmers for it. For the audition, I will because I want to. Uh, yeah, I want to look the come part. Across the bright light. Yeah, <laughs> like I care about <laughs> the West End, which is I'm sure where it'll end up. Um, so we've I covered. Think it might have happened by now if it was going <laughs> to. The old world's going to be gone in about 80 years, mate. So, yeah, you're right. Um, so I do this thing called the Big Book of Bullshit, where I perhaps foolishly ask uh, podcast listeners to send questions in. Um, and I've made my own bed to a degree. Um, but the first one has linked into one of the questions I was going to ask you anyway. My mate, Niall, um, not spelt like the river, uh, he wants to know what's the most frustrating thing as a performer uh, that this sort of half apocalypse has caused. But you, you made it work for you, didn't you? Uh, the old coronavirus. You started Cunt's Corona Club, which, and I texted you at the time, was, we were talking before this about how weird it all fucking was. And it seems like years ago already. Yeah. Uh, me and the missus, every night for a month, we watched it, like, religiously. Because when you're told you can't go out, you don't know what to do. But we watched it every night. Oh, and she told me to tell you that she found the wedding anniversary shout out very funny. Oh, great. Oh, well. I'm glad it didn't cause a rift or an instance of domestic violence. No, we're married, so there's no escape for her now anyway. So. <laughs> fully fully fritzled. Fritzled <laughs> in the Sibwell house. <laughs> so, yeah, tell us about the Corona Club. Because like I say, I watched it religiously for like the first 30 odd days. And then something changed. I can't remember. One of the kids wasn't sleeping properly or something. And I, I, I dropped back in. And it was a lot of stuff about Christian Atsu that I didn't really understand what was happening. I'd missed yeah, about no. 20 days. But, but, but what the problem is, is you, you broke the spell. Because it was fundamentally, it was shit from the start. <laughs> but, but you kind of, you just got used to it. Do you know what I mean? It's like while your, life, while your wife stays with you. It's shit, <laughs> but she's used to you. Do you know what I mean? And the idea of going, you know, the minute she, the minute another man takes her out, by buys her roses and Ferrero Rocher, and you know, <laughs> takes her for a socially distanced Pizza Express. That's it, mate. She's not gonna. She's gonna be straight out of your house and round his right. cat. I'll make a note about that. But yeah, it was. I, I definitely felt like I was uh, part of something uh, for thirty days. And how long did it go for in the end? <laughs> uh, too long. It went too long, really. Like, because um, I, I, so I started it off um, uh, reading, like reading excerpts from my me book, um, yeah. and uh, and that lasted. I think I dragged that out to like forty something nights, but I could probably have done it in like thirty nine or forty nights. But it kind of went on for like forty two or forty three nights, and um, then after that, I just didn't really have any. You know, and I, and I was kind of interspersing it with songs that were pertinent to the text, or songs that I'd have been playing at that time. You know, through the through the uh, the, the bits I was talking about, and um, yeah, it, it, it was it was good kind of up until you know I just kind of sort of ran out of, ran out of material, and then just found myself like desperately every day scrabbling to try and write something new and trying to keep it to a certain quality. But if you trying to do something new to fill half hour every day is never going to be any quality. And so I just ended up reading like stories from wank mags 
And yeah, I think, yeah, and not for that reason necessarily, but that's when I about dropped out and then came back in. Um, and, uh, yeah, everyone was making puns on Christian Atsu and his cat's at curry. Yeah. I was sat, sat with Bryony going, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, but see, but see it's, it, it's kind of like if you'd, if you'd been in Australia the whole time, you know, and you'd seen the wildlife morph into kangaroos and koalas, you'd, you'd, you know, you wouldn't see anything strange about it. But then when you go to Australia and you just see a kangaroo and you haven't seen the whole fucking build-up of how they've got there, you're like, you know, this is really strange and it doesn't actually make sense. So in a lot of ways, the Christian Atsu song was my little Joey. You know, <laughs> and it, just, it just developed, it, it just... Yeah, it just it just kind of it just developed and become its own thing, and and everyone people that kind of watched every night just kept encouraging it, and and it you know, and so yeah, it became became an actual thing. But then if you kind of look at it with cold, the you know the, in the cold light of day, it's very you, you know it's, it's a very fucking tenuous link between this footballer Christian Atso, who is a Christian. And and his surname rhyming with you know a, a, a spicy, mildly spicy dish. That's that's the crux of it. To the tune of S Express's "Hey Music Lover." Makes well, no look, it's sense. It, it's all on the Come the Gang YouTube channel. If you ever stuck in the house for thirty nights or fuck knows how many hours in a row. If if, if there's a second wave, start at episode one. There's a second wave. Start at episode one and probably finish around episode like forty. I think I think that's what we did, sort of inadvertently. So we'll move on to the next song, um, which the original of this is one of my favourite Cunt and the Gang songs. Um, originally, that's why I voted UKIP. Um, now, that's why I voted Brexit because you know Nigel changing his uh, colours all the time. Um, you copped some shit online for the original, didn't you? Because people didn't quite get it and thought you bang into UKIP. There, there, there was a lot of pe- a lot of people uh, who were banging to UKIP really liked the song. <laughs> well, so, so I, I don't know. I, I kind of don't. I don't want to over-explain it because you know, if we people, won't. If people want to like it for whatever reason. That's up to them. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing you can fucking do for people, is there, sometimes? So you might as well just go, oh, you like it? Oh, all right, great. But but I'd also recommend checking out the original for a snapshot in time from about 2014 election. Was that? I've had so many fucking elections, I can't remember when they were. Um, it, 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 moves, it moves so quickly that, you know, everything fucking moves so quickly now. So the idea that, like, you know, you do a topical song about this, you know, this political party that are a massive fucking thing, you know, and are talking about changing the face of UK politics and being an alternative to the, the main parties. And then here we are, like, five, six years later, no one knows who they were anymore. Like, they're, they're, they're completely fucking gone. So that's what I always found about doing topical material is it's got no, no longevity, but people still like it. So, you know, you still get people kind of, asking for the topical songs six years after they're out of date, you know, and I don't know, I always just kind of, I found it quite hard to find any enthusiasm for playing it. 
apart from the Barry George one, because that was a serious injustice. Yes, it was. Guildford four, Barry George, in that order. Right, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll sling. That's why I voted Brexit on, uh, and then th- then we'll come back and do another little quarter of an hour, twenty minutes, and then we'll knock it on the head. So uh, that's why I voted Brexit. Um, still pertinent now because we fucking hark back to those days of uh, UKIP, don't we now? The no. good old days, the good old days of purple, purple low, purple and yellow logos with a pound sign on. Side to side, not back to front. And did you know in Jamaica, ladies have a cloaca? That means a bum and fanny all in one. Did you know in Paraguay, they stretch girls furry pie and insert a big ceramic cup? And did you know in Senegal, birds have got no grim at all? They cut their clip box off and sew it up. The thing I really fear is what if they come over here? All them foreign fannies in our own backyard. I'm gonna go in my garage with a picture of Nigel Farage and make myself a Union Jack placard. Cause that's why I voted Brexit. Don't think me unhinge. That's why I voted Brexit to save the British minge. That's why I voted Brexit. My message is succinct. Don't let the great British minge become extinct. Don't let the great British minge become extinct. God save our gracious minge, long live our noble minge, Nigel help us save the British minge. Send it victorious, hairy and glorious, Nigel help us save the British minge. Seen a lady's labia Cos they have to do their business in the dark And in Papua New Guinea Did you know a lady's mini Has got a set of teeth just like a shark And did you know that in Iraq A lady's crack Emits a bit of discharge like crude oil And did you know in Bulgaria Ladies' fannies are hairier Than anywhere in the world except Susan Boyle The main parties don't go far enough To protect the British muff the only way to stop it is to vote We've got to take back control of the UK's flaps and hole Or we'll end up with Merkel's working on a £5 note So, that's why I voted Brexit Don't think me unhinged That's why I voted Brexit To save the British minge That's why I voted Brexit My message is succinct Don't let the great British minge become extinct Don't let the great British minge become extinct that's why I voted Brexit, I'm gonna put it bluntly, that's why I voted Brexit, we're not a multicultural country, that's why I voted Brexit, come on join the hunt, you gotta love Nigel Farage, cause he's a proper British cunt. That was the uh, political anthem, that's why I voted Brexit, formally that's why I voted UKIP, from Cunt and the Gang's Punk in Your Face. Um, we'll do a couple more big book of bullshit questions. Um, again, I don't make these up, so it's not my fucking fault. Uh, first question comes from Jordan. 
And he says, what animal do you think you could knock out with a single punch? Now, I know you're an animal lover. So we're talking hypothetics here. So do I have to say the biggest? Well, I don't know. Let, let, let's be candid, you know, based on your knowledge of your own physical strength. Well, listen, say, I mean, if I've a cow a was charging towards you, could you end it owl. there? A cow okay. or an owl? An owl? No trouble. I think I could definitely. But so, so what you're asking is you're asking me what's the biggest animal I could knock out of a single punch? Because otherwise I'm going to go. Yeah. Owl, rat. Let's be realistic. Spider. Yeah. Guinea pig. Weasel. Yeah. Stoke. Yeah, they're quick as well. Yeah, they are quick, aren't they? Would you know? But he's, but I'll just hold, I'll hold it down and just hit it. Um, the biggest animal I could knock out of a single punch. Do animals a large, a large dog? Large, a large dog. dog. Great Dane. Something like that. Nah, um, like a sheep dog or something. Sheep dog. Yeah. Like a Great Dane, I think it'd take a couple. It'd take a one-two. Yeah, you'd have to, wouldn't you? Yeah. I, yeah. I, had, a, I had a friend who, like, you, you're wasting your time punching a dog in the face. I had a friend who, um, uh, his dad saw a child being bitten by a dog. I remember yeah. this from when we were kids. Uh, he saw a child. His dad saw a child being bitten by a dog. So his dad jumped in and he squeezed the dog's bollocks until they popped. Until dog go, the dog let go and died. <laughs> well, I saw a similar thing, except uh, the dog was attacking another dog, and some old man who had a walking stick and was hobbling along suddenly turned into Usain Bolt and was <laughs> whacking the dog's bollocks with his walking stick. They didn't pop and it didn't die, but it ran off. But he didn't squeeze them, though, did he? He just whacked it with a stick. Yeah, he could have whacked them off, though. I don't know, but... It worked. So go for the bollocks if you're ever attacked by a dog, everyone. Just, or if you see a yeah. dog attacking yeah, somebody else. Yeah, their bollocks till they pop. Yeah, if you want to kill the dog. Yeah, but if you just squeeze it, if you just give him a little tickle, the dog's going to turn around on you. <laughs> you've got to do it, yeah. You've got to no you've got him for a penny and for a pound. If he's biting someone, that's the humane thing to do. Unless, of course, you're squeezing its bollocks and then the person it's biting turns out to be a cunt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or the person that started the fracar in the first place, then in that case, just let go of the dog's bollocks and let it carry on. Yeah, it's unlikely if it's a child, though, but you never know kids these days. Um, I think if it's a child, squeeze first, ask questions later. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Right, so thanks for humouring that stupid question. Oh, no, that wasn't from Jordan. That was from uh, Richard Musgrave. Sorry. This one's from Jordan, and I think this is all your own doing, this question. Um, that's uh, that's that. Can I just say that's what a rapist would say? <laughs> well, Jordan, sorry, no, what you no, <laughs> really, that, this is all your own doing. <laughs> I'm channeling, I'm channeling. So, Jordan wants to know for some reason, um, if you had the choice and you could spend a night with either Fred West or Joseph Fritzel, which one would you choose? Now, I don't know if he means at the pub, a nice lamb dinner. 
I think we all know what he means, don't we? At, at the hands of, that's what he means. Yeah, well, that's that's Sophie's choice, really, isn't it? Because I don't think either of them had end well. At least you'd you'd have a life if with Fritzel. Yeah, Fr- Fritzel's Fritzel's nights just rolled into another day, didn't it? And another night. That, that's the thing is, Fritzel's is an ongoing night, and it? it's a night that lasts like fifteen years. Whereas Fred. At least he gets it over and done with. Yeah, so it's Fred. I've got, to, I've got to say, Tom. All right, I haven't done a fucking podcast like like this for um, since like the start of the year. I done done my mates one and another one, and then uh, I, I had another guy who, uh, who does this podcast called the Seabin Podcast. Get in touch like last week when you didn't say fancy fancy doing it, and he had a little section in the middle with questions. And the question There's last me. night. Yeah, I was original. <laughs> yeah, you are because he's fucking ripped you off. Like, um, no, I like it. I, I, listen, I'm happy to just go. We, you know, once we finish, we can just go on indefinitely answering questions. Right. So the album's coming out as and when. Um, notwithstanding the coronavirus, are there plans to take it on the road or for a one-off or? Anything. Well, I kind of, I don't know, like having not gigged for this long, I, I just sort of, like, the idea of going and sorting out more gigs is just, you know, a bit, it's not really that, I'm not really that infused about it. And you got to, you know, if you're going to go and, going to go and play live, one thing you've got to be is infused about it. And I'm just not that infused about it at the moment. And also it's only been four years. So to, you know, for it to be a proper comeback, and for people to have really missed you, you know, it's got to be five plus, isn't it? I, I, I guess so. I've never had to do it myself. None of your business is well over two one. Hypothetically, you know, how long would you say it would have to be before you've missed something? <sighs> I don't know. Get married, have two kids. I'm just saying this off the top of my head. Uh, do a bit of work. I don't know. Five and a half, six. Yeah, five, five and a half. So mid twenty twenty two. Brilliant. That's the comeback tour. Playing Good in the debris first. of in the debris of uh, what was society. Well, the only place to play will be out in parks. And then when <laughs> you play there, you'll just so they'll all just turn up and fucking taser you and take everyone into custody. Just because they can. Yeah, just because they've, they've snuck all the powers in via the back door. The cunts. Just, just bringing it back. I've, I've just spotted a note I made really small and didn't see it. Um, the, the the punk thing, you know, we, we know you were sort of stapled to it, uh, the punk scene. Um, you told me a good story once about you turned up to a gig uh some promoter had booked it and it was some place that didn't really have punk gigs on and the promoter was stressing uh coming up to you no the owner of the bar was stressing coming up to you and the promoter saying there's people in full punk dress out there <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't remember i don't remember that <laughs> and i always thought like what the fuck does that even mean and then you said he was like when it went okay and nobody I don't know what he thought they'd do, spat on people's grannies. He came up and started saying how he booked a very young Jimmy Carr or something and was trying to kiss your ass. 
the old time. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah, I, I think that was... Um, yeah, I think that might have been in... And I mean, that was a very long while ago, but that would have been like in Plymouth or somewhere, I think, in about 2006. Yeah, there's people but, in full punk dress out there. There's people... Like it's a costume. <laughs> but, <laughs> but when, when, when someone says there's people in full punk dress, do you not think of someone on the front of one of the fucking London postcards you used to get? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Standing in front of a red telephone box with a kind of two-foot-eye Mohican, the arms cut off a jean jacket with, like... Something written in studs on the back of it. We used to have a, a you know, there's just umpteen punk compilations. They've all got the same songs, Sound of the Suburbs, the Skids and all that. There was one of them that we had and we kept it in the van purely for the front cover. And this guy was into leather and studs, but it weren't a punk thing. And they just lifted this uh, lifted this picture off the Internet. And it's just some, yeah, some guy out for a yeah, nice... And it, it's the singer from Man to Man Meets Man Parish. <laughs> it was it was fucking weird like full tash uh makeup um belt excellent it was mad um right i think i've asked all the questions i'll ask you the next one now and then we'll then we'll uh go into the final two songs so my mate ross yeah um yeah. He, he asked he asked a question to a band that were quite serious and I told him to fuck off because I wasn't going to ask it. Uh, and the question was, would you rather drink? And I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it's broadly the same thing. Would you rather drink um, some steaming hot shit on a freezing cold day or some chilled spunk on a hot day or something like that? Hold on. So a nice warm drink of shit on a cold day or... Some nice chilled spunk on a red hot day. Chilled spunk. No hesitation. Just chilled spunk. <laughs> I suppose just... in terms of diseases, your odds are lower. Like to spunk's credit, it just comes out your cock. Not your you arsehole. How much worse than a mini milk's it gonna be? <laughs> well there like... you go, boss. I've asked your fucking question so you can stop submitting it to every fucking band I do. All right? Now, fuck off. <laughs> but if, if you invite questions, then the questions are all going to be, what would you rather? Would you rather do this than this? Yeah. yeah. In a, lot of way, in a lot of ways, Tom, you're asking for it. You've made this happen. Yeah, but I was hoping I'd get like seven and I could pick the best and not and not be texting people going, have you got any questions? Yeah. Nudge. How many questions did did you get for me? Four. Four. Oh, well, three, and then I, and then I adopted one, and uh, it's early days. This is only episode five. That's what I meant. You doing me? A- no, it's it's not that at all. It's the fact that like, I've I've been on YouTube live for sixty nights, so I've said literally everything I've got to say, and now I'm just repeating myself. So like, well, that's no one why... has any questions because they know every single last fucking thing they want to know now. <laughs> well, that's why I pounced on it when I saw this album was coming out because I thought some red art content. And yeah. uh, instead it's of that... It's got... very much up after the Lord Mayor's show, isn't it? Yeah, and you got a question about drinking spunk. So, um, right, look, thanks for your time. Um, I think what we'll do now is uh, we'll go into uh, Fuck Sticks. Because I like to think that I've encapsulated the entire uh, cunt career span 
but Fuck Six is the, is the Stone Cold classic. Um, this is the one that got higher up in the charts, weren't it? Yeah, this got a number 63 in the charts. 63. Around the time of Prince William's wedding to Kate Middleton. Yeah, and, you know, I haven't looked at the charts for since I was about 12 <laughs> until that time. So, yeah. No, I I'll, don't think I had. No, not, not in any of the 2000s. So I was fucking rooting for you. And then that, that was a, a heck of an achievement. But they censored you late on, or was that with Use My Arsehole as a Cunt? They censored you. No, there was there was something fucking there was something weird went on with the sales patterns of fucksticks, and um, because I was kind of I was badgering people through the social media to buy all the versions of it because I, I thought it was like a kind of chart loophole in you could do any amount of versions of the same song and they all counted as one sale towards the charts. So you didn't need three three thousand people to buy it. You needed like five hundred people to buy six versions to get three thousand sales. Yeah, and then one of the versions when all you know when it, it was all kind of dead in the water and kind of finished a few weeks later, and the, the chart, um, you know, the chart data came in. One of the versions had no uh, no sales, and people have been buying all of them. Stitch up, stitch up. I reckon you. I reckon you were on course for top twenty, and they. Uh... I feel well, you know. I I think more likely top ten, or possibly oh, even. Of the, course. The coveted number one spot, but you know, I was too da- I was too dangerous for the charts. And you know what would have happened? Had I made the top twenty or the top ten, I'd have been dead in the woods like Dr. David Kelly. They'd have just found me like strang- strangle wanking underneath a tree, wouldn't they? And everyone would have gone, "Oh, that cunt! He was going on about conspiracy theories, and there he is. Here he is, found dead, strangle wanking under a tree." Oh, and look yeah. on his phone. There's loads of pedo stuff as well, which they put there. Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah. yeah. So another stitch up, another conspiracy uh, that we can add to the add to the list. So well, yeah, because that because that's so likely to happen. That 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 kind of thing is so likely to happen. That's why I don't mind the occasional spunk ice lolly, you know, because life's <laughs> for living. All right. Look, uh, I don't want to ruin any of the gags in the song, but we played with a Sex Pistols tribute band once, right? Yeah. And we made a joke about um country life butter uh it was good we went to the shop and bought some and rehearsed it and everything and i think our bass player chris barr uh paused the set in in mid-song and uh got some bread and put some country life butter on it and it went down like a fucking sack of shit it was the least punk experience of my life playing with a sex pistols tribute band they wouldn't yeah. let us have beers on the stage, which, as you know, was quite an integral part of the whole, the whole act. Gig, of gig, experience, gig experience, yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, we had to basically, I think we stuck loads of straws together and got them on a technicality and put them on the floor and sucked up all. <laughs> but these people weren't here to watch anything else other than the seventies again. So yeah, it didn't go down very well. So punks love their butter. What can I say? No, the problem, the problem is, is if you were playing with the original Sex Pistols, use Country Life. But if you're doing a Sex Pistols cover band, covers band, you need, you know, you need like one of the own brand equivalents. Yeah, co-op. Uh, what, what do we get? Fucking from Aldi, Nordpack or something like that. Yeah. So as Asda, Asda used to have one called Butter Me Up. <laughs> I don't remember that. And there was... 
yeah, I can't believe it's not quite margarine or something like that. All these different plays on, yeah. But punks don't like you slagging off Johnny Rotten, so. No, but I'm not slagging off Johnny Rotten. I mean, he's, he's the most fucking punk bloke there is. But he did a batter advert, you know. But he did it to take pill on tour. So, but you got you still got to fucking mention it. He's yeah, you know. got to mention it. But you know they okay. Let me rephrase it then. They don't like it when you uh, pastiche their hero. Um, it's in spread form. Yeah. But you can't uh, just batter over the cracks of history like that, can you? No, but I thought I thought it was a good a good wheeze, and uh, I thought everyone would do a little lol. Um, and you could have heard a pin drop. It was fucking horrible. Funny looking back, but fucking horrible at the time. Right, and then after that, I'll go uh, straight into uh, a song that you've chosen for the end uh, that I asked you to pick. Yeah. I usually give people a choice, but um, I was going to go Mac Lads. Do you want to do that? I don't care. Do you want to pick a Mac Lads song? Or shall I give you, or do you want to stick with the original choice? Do you know what? I, I think I think I'll stick with my original choice because I feel like that's a song that's integral to me ending up doing what I've done because it's probably like the first punk song I remember from actually being in the charts, you know. Yeah, yeah. Which is strange with me being in my early thirties and it being in nineteen seventy eight. But Yeah, it's been a, you've been a long time in those early thirties. You're really dragging them out. <laughs> I have. I've took yeah. over now. <laughs> I'm 35. I'm heading into the late. That that can happen though if you hang around in your mid 30s too long. You know you can get to 35. <laughs> it's been known. Right. All right. We'll go. We'll go. Jilted John. Um, you're a John Shuttleworth fan as well. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's he's good. He's got loads. Of, he's he's you know his greatest hits. He's as good as anyone's greatest hits. John Shuttleworth. He's one of them people that just he just does good songs and just yeah, kind of stay and he stayed stayed funny for a long while, which is really fucking hard to do. I mean, not for me, obviously, but for lesser mortals, <laughs> it's he's <laughs> hard. All right, it's, well, look. No, do you know what I mean? Like when when you listen to bands, when you listen to bands' greatest hits, it's hard to be good for a long while. It's hard to be fucking good for a long while because how many bands' greatest hits? You know, you kind of get get to the kind of Two thirds of the way through, and then just fucking turn it off and go back to the start again. You may disagree because I know you're a Madness fan, but I'm like that, or at least when I was younger, I was like that with Madness. I think on the what was it, Absolute Madness, their best of, passed out of house. I didn't want to know. Now I'm a bit more mature. I'm I'm all aboard the uh, the Ghost Train and all that. Yeah, and I've no. got the wings of a dove. But when I was a kid, I was like, I don't want to hear this. I mean, like there's certain there's certain singles of madness that I won't really. I mean, I, I don't really listen to Wings of a Dove, or you know, or care if I ever hear it again. But I don't know, like fucking the, the sun and the rain and one better day and yesterday's men and and um, and waiting for the ghost train. They're, they're good singles, like Sweetest Girl's fucking dog shit. But you know, when when you're around, like they they did they did that in like. Yeah, their their career was was it eight years? Uh, no, seven years. They they yeah. did that fucking body of work in, and it's fucking it's an impressive body of work. That that kind of you know their their um their songs from their original incarnation. And like I don't know, I mean 
Yeah, I mean, everywhere, you know, it's hard to fucking maintain the quality, especially when you've got the pressure of touring. You know, they, they were touring and putting an album out nearly every year, weren't they, Madness? Yeah, yeah. I'm just making excuses for them because I like them so much. I think with Madness, the reason I uh, the reason I feel the way I do about their later work was because that was the stuff that I was buying originally. Because I, you know, I, I've, yeah, yeah. when I had expect you know expendable pocket money as a kid, I went I went and bought their you know like the, the Keep Moving and Mad Not Mad because they were the albums you know they, they were probably like you know some of the first albums that I bought, but um, the earlier albums then I kind of went you know went back and bought bought them sort of retrospectively and enjoyed them retrospectively. So, yeah. But, you know, he's widely acknowledged that, that there's some dog shit in the, in, in, on them last couple of albums. But I don't know, I, I like them, but I'm, I'm a kind of, I'm a sort of nostalgic in a lot of ways. Yeah, the fact you can get a 24-odd song, the greatest hits album out of seven years, that's a bit of an achievement in itself, isn't it? Like, to sort yeah, of summarize what you were saying, that that that's hard going. It's it is fucking hard game, you know. Especially when most bands kind of do a couple of albums and uh, and burn out. Like you know, for you to be able to kind of get twenty twenty odd great singles, you know, he's 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 fucking amazing. Because there's not really many bands that have got twenty odd decent singles. Well, there's not many bands that have got ten decent singles. Nope. <laughs> no, probably not. So. Look, Sorry. I'll leave you to it. Um, yeah, I'm we'll just going to sit here and have a big rant, big rant about Aris Hard to get a good greatest hits after you've gone. <laughs> <laughs> Combine the two. People keep asking you to bring stuff out on vinyl. You should exploit that. The, the, the trouble is I've, I've spoken to a couple of other artists who have brought stuff out on vinyl and you get you get ten people shouting loudly that they want stuff on vinyl, and you think there's a market for it. So you have like three hundred done. And <laughs> as I realised with the books, like when you get a thousand CDs done, right, you get ten one foot square boxes, right. When you get a thousand books done, it fills one whole room of your house, right. Yeah, so yeah. If you get three hundred CDs done, you get three one foot square boxes. You get 300 fucking vinyls done and you've got to kiss goodbye to your hallway. You know, <laughs> get coming your house through a fucking window. And also, like, when you when you don't tour, it's hard, it's hard to shift up. So if I, if I did a vinyl, I'd have to do a Kickstarter for it. And I don't really want to do a Kickstarter. If I do a Kickstarter, I want it to be, like, for a fucking movie or something, you know, something massive, you know, but a yeah, big kind it, of, something it's... that definitely wouldn't happen. I, I, I fucking love vinyl, but you know, it's hard to shift any. It's hard to shift any fucking volume of physical product anymore. You know, I know people say, "Oh, vinyls, vinyls kind of made a comeback and that." But when I, I had the, I had the uh, vinyls done for the Fucksticks chart campaign, and I had five hundred of them, and four hundred went in the first week that I was doing the chart campaign, and that that last hundred hung around for fucking ages because once you've you know once everyone who likes it has bought it you're relying on new people to find out about you to, to flog the rest of them well I didn't even know that existed I'd have bought, fucking bought one that'll I'll, teach me I found a box from the other week so I'll send you, send you one through you're, you're a good lad Punty you're a good lad right look thanks for your time so we'll go fuck sticks the stone cold 
cunt classic. Uh, and then we'll go uh, Jilted John. Yeah, that one that you all know, where yeah. it says Gordon is a moron. All right, cheers, me old mate. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Tom. It's been good. Good laugh.
And he's a creep, she's a tart, he's very cheap, she is a slut, he thinks he's tough, she is a bitch, he is a pop, yeah, yeah, it's not fair, yeah, yeah, it's not fair. I'm so upset, I'm so upset, I'm so upset, yeah, yeah. I ought to smash his face in. Right, uh, I hope you enjoyed that um, excellent but uh, longer than usual interview with Cunt from Cunt and the Gang. Um, next time on the podcast, uh, we've got Young Leeds Hardcore Outfit Scum. Um, and then the following week, we've got uh, Catalan Language Punk Rocks Premier Purveyors Crim. So I hope you can join us then. If you like the podcast, share it, rate it and all that. Thanks. Cheers. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>